Today's episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast is proud to be partnered with Anchor Podcasts. Anchor is the easiest way for anyone to make a podcast. If you have a latent idea that's just kind of lying around for a show you would like to record one day, I'm confident that anyone could use this platform to host, record, and distribute your podcast, turning your idea into a reality. Anchor puts everything you need to be successful all in one place. You can start a new recording right from your mobile device. They also have convenient creation tools that allow you to edit your audio files so they sound crisp and great. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, letting listeners find your show almost everywhere, including Spotify, Anchor Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and several others. And best of all, it's free. There are no hosting fees or monthly subscriptions or minimum listener counts, just an easy-to-use platform to get your podcast out there at no cost to you. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. Welcome back to the Ministry Minded Podcast, a show that seeks to marvel at the mercy of God that meets us in our messy ministries. I'm your host, Pastor Brad Gray. I serve as the senior pastor in Stony King Baptist Church uh, right here in Paxanos, Pennsylvania. It is the first uh, Ministry Minded Podcast and the first episode of Pastor Brad's Corner for the new year, 2021. I am uh, so happy to be uh, coming to you, coming into your ear holes today, I guess. <laughs> That's a weird image. Um, but uh, I'm so excited about today's show and about whatever God might hold uh, for us in the new year. It's, um, you know, one of those situations where we have all of these uh, perhaps resolutions on what we want to accomplish in the new year and what we want to achieve and things we want to do and and changes we want to see uh, become uh, routines or habits or what have you. And, and as always, our expectations, I think, are a little bit subverted <laughs> uh, by our own sort of ability and inability, I would say. And, and uh, I think that's more evident this year uh, than ever before, uh, only because, uh, of course, everyone knows uh, what last year was like. And yet 2021 hasn't really uh, changed much <laughs> uh, in that regard. I still think there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of uh, just unsettled feelings in the aftermath of 2020. And guess what? That's okay. Uh, we are right where God wants us to be. Uh, we're dealing with lots of sickness and illness uh, at, at, at Stonington. And if you are a church member and you're listening and you are sick right now, I, I'm praying for you. And even if you're not sick, I'm praying for you too. But uh, I am so um, thrilled to know that God is still in control. He's still reigning uh, and he's still ruling. And that's not um, that's not just a pithy thing to inspire you. That's the truth of all truths. Uh, Jesus is king and he hasn't uh, he hasn't let any uh, single degree, uh, however minuscule, of his authority uh, go by the wayside. And so you can count on that. And um, you can count on that even if you've already broken one of your resolutions, which I have. <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll get to that uh, momentarily. But uh, I say all that to say, I'm just so happy to uh, be coming to you on this show, on Pastor Brad's Corner, on the podcast. Uh, I'm really looking forward to continuing this sort of habit and uh, sort of weekly tradition of 
just uh, thinking out loud on some of the things that I either was studying for sermons or just have been reading and things that I think are helpful to you. Uh, and I hope to continue this for a long time. And uh, I'm really excited to see what happens to this show, but also I'm excited to uh, also do some more interviews this year. Uh, if you know, if you've been a longtime listener of the podcast, Ministry Minded has predominantly been interview-driven um, in years past, and that has changed recently, of course, with just how uh, much my schedule has changed due to being a senior pastor, and and, and I'm, I'm perfectly happy with that. I'm happy to just uh, be able to have this space, though, to think out loud, uh, as I said. So, anyways, I'm excited to see what happens this year. Uh, I'm hoping to do a little bit of scheduling changes. Um, this is really just innocuous detail that I'm just telling you, but it's okay. Um, uh, so for, for blogging purposes, uh, I'm trying to not put too much of a sort of, uh, deadline on myself to come up with blogs. Uh, as I, as I've reiterated a couple times, um, I wrote so much last year that it really has taken a lot out of me in terms of just writing. I have several things that I want to write about in upcoming weeks, and there's several, uh, essays and columns that I have sort of scheduled out for the next several weeks, in fact. But I'm trying not to put too much uh, pressure on myself to always come up with with uh, articles and, and blogs and that sort of thing in this new year and just kind of take things as they come. And so I'm trying to be a little bit more fluid when it comes to my writing and to just write whenever it's, you know, that sort of uh, that bug kind of hits you, which is often. <laughs> um, but in terms, uh, what I hope to do is put out uh, my sermons on the blog on Mondays and Fridays, and then Wednesdays I hope to keep uh, isolated for this podcast to record and and to uh, share these podcasts with you, just to reflect on stuff I've been thinking about, looking for, looking past, uh, looking back on the week past, and looking ahead to the week ahead. And I think Wednesdays are good days to do that. So Mondays uh, sermon, Wednesdays podcast, Friday sermon, and then on like Tuesdays and Thursdays, or maybe even sometimes Saturdays, I'll be throwing up some just things that I've written, uh, reflections, articles, those sorts of things. So I hope to do that, uh, keep to that schedule somewhat, uh, in this, in this new year and, uh, seeing how that goes. So all that to say, uh, I'm excited to get into the show. What did I preach on, uh, this past week? So, uh, I only preached one time this past Sunday, the first Sunday of the new year, January 3rd. Uh, we had to cancel our evening services this past week due to weather. Uh, I had a little bit of a snow, uh, a snowstorm come up our way, not super intense, but I was uh, perhaps worried about um, uh, ice and just driving conditions for a night service. Isn't always the easiest, especially with how dark things get around here. So uh, we ended up jettisoning that service just to weather and keep everyone safe. And um, I'm it's, I, I don't like doing that, but you know, it, sometimes I think, um, with especially how, um, much the sickness and the bugs sort of thing have been going around our church, it kind of makes sense to, to do that. So we ended up not having Sunday evening, but I was really thrilled to preach in the Sunday morning service from, uh, the book of Acts, and I preached on Acts chapter two. Um, and the central premise of that sermon, which I hope kind of came through in what I was trying to say is just this, that church is essential because the gospel is essential. Um, 
And I, I, I know that, that saying that church is essential has a lot of perhaps social ramifications that are very relevant to, uh, our current day and age. And I both at, at, at once mean that and don't mean that in the way you possibly think. I just want to, in this new year, to really emphasize the necessity of church and not just church attendance, but church membership, church involvement, uh, having a place that you can call home and that this is your church family and that you're invested in how the kingdom is going forth in this community of like-minded believers and disciples of Jesus. Um, that is something that I think is so necessary because one of the things that I think has been revealed um, perhaps more than in any other way, uh, in the last year. I mean, and, and there's several things that you could think of, perhaps, that, that 2020 exposed, uh, for lack of a better word. But I think one of the main things that 2020 exposed, I think, is, is America's, uh, in general, America's really sort of fickle relationship to church. Um, and, you know, I'm not trying to mean this in a way that sounds derogatory. Some churches have not been able to gather like they normally would just because of extenuating circumstances that we all understand. Uh, and some even have had and had to, uh, they've been forced to close their doors, which is a really sad reality that things uh got to that uh dire of of degrees and in circumstances and for one that's one of the reasons why I'm so thankful that God has has provided for Stonington uh that God is continuing to allow the work that we do to persist but it's also something I think that by and large that if you were to just survey or just kind of, kind of take a overarching glance at churches and church attendance, that there is this mentality that church is, church attendance is a convenience, uh, rather than a necessity. And I think that you would find that to be true in a lot of different, um, climates, uh, a lot of different, uh, regions of the country, uh, that, you know, we can take church or we can leave church depending on what the weather is, uh, physical weather or spiritual weather. Um, and that ought not so to be, um, church is a necessity. It, it's, it's not something that we should be able to take or leave depending on how we feel. It's something that you and I need. It's essential to our lives because we are desperate people. And I think that uh, by and large, this is one of the things that I think that came to the surface for me, at least, as I was studying Acts chapter 2. Uh, Acts 2, of course, if you're familiar with the New Testament in any degree, you would likely recognize as sort of the Pentecost chapter, uh, the first several verses um, what Jesus has prophesied and what the prophet Joel has prophesied takes place. The Spirit of God is poured out um, on Jesus' disciples, and they begin uh, having th this incredible spiritual power, and they begin speaking in tongues, and then, of course, <laughs> they're confused, uh, or they're, uh, many that are surrounding them are confused, and they think that they're drunk or something like that. <laughs> And then Peter delivers this incredible sermon, and then, you know, uh, for lack of a better way to term it, the church is born. Uh, and it says in verse 42, and they continued steadfastly 
in the Apostles' Doctrine and Fellowship and in Breaking of Bread and in Prayers, which is, of course, the central tenets of any New Testament church is right there for us in verse 42. So you have this incredible chapter in which we have the demonstrable presence of the Holy Spirit felt, but also the establishment of the church as an institution. But what I think what hit me most as I was studying this chapter is just the way in which this church was was born. Uh, yes, through the Spirit, but it was through a sermon. Uh, it was through a spirit-empowered sermon delivered by the Apostle Peter as he sat, as he stood, in fact, um, and delivered the message that what? That Jesus is both Lord and Christ. Verse 36, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the, that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And I think what you have here is, is this incredible moment in which we are not only given sort of um, an insight into the way in which the apostles understood the gospel message. They understood it precisely to be about the lordship of Christ and about his resurrection and about how that is, uh, those tenets are the predominant forces in their sermons. If you go throughout all of the rest of the book of Acts, you'll find so many different sermons that are centered around the fact of the resurrection and the fact of Jesus. Jesus' uh, position as the Christ. Uh, and that definite article there is certainly important. He is the Christ, the only Christ, and is the, the Christ that they crucified is the one that they must look to for salvation. And um, I find it so um, just fascinating that it, all of what we know to be uh, the church, this incredible moment in which 3,000 souls are added to this uh, New Testament church, it's all born out of a sermon. It's born out of this moment in which Peter takes up the position as the herald of Jesus Christ, and he stands there. He stands, which is a significant detail. He stands as a messenger, as as a town crier, so to speak. And he stands and, and delivers boldly, without hesitation, without uh, equivocation, without any sort of hesitation on his part at all, the message that there is only one authority, there is only one king, and his name is Jesus. He is both Lord and Christ, and he is the one to whom we are to answer, and he is the one that provides the reason for why we gather in the first place. He makes church essential. You see, this is, I think, why it's important that we hear this message, is that it's not essential because certain institutions or other sort of conglomerate bodies say that it is. Church is essential because God made it essential in our lives. And it's essential not just because it's a human right, it's essential because we are sinners. I think one of the most... Interesting details about this sermon is that we know from verse 5, as it says, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. So uh, Peter is surrounded by these devout men of Old Testament faith, so to speak, uh, men who were very ardent religiously, who were still looking for a Messiah, so to speak. Perhaps they were Pharisees. We aren't told perhaps their position uh, in this day and age, but he's surrounded by these men who would rather him shut up. And what does he do? He proceeds to uh, 
in 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 a moment of of spirit empowerment he cuts these men's these men down all their dreams are dashed in terms of who they are and their authority and their wisdom and their insight especially nowhere is this seen better than in verses in verse 22 where peter says this he says ye men of israel hear these words which is a very bold statement he says, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs. So he's evidencing that you know that this man is true and that he has power and that he has insight, that he's been given to you by God. He has, he's divine because of what he did, which God did, going back to Peter, verse 22, by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know, him, Jesus, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken, and by which Wicked hands have crucified and slain. <laughs> Peter's brashness appears right here in these verses as he he declares with all power, "Hey, you are the murderers. You are the crucifiers. You are the ones who have taken your king, and his blood is now on your hands because you have nailed him to a cross." And here, I think we see one of the most fascinating examples of how the church ought to be constructed. It ought to be constructed by a spirit-empowered sermon, and that spirit-empowered sermon ought to be one which delivers God's people through a bold declaration of their devastation. You see, I think what Peter here captures is just the way in which preaching ought to be delivered. He's not light on conviction and strong on coziness. <laughs> He's strong on conviction, and there's no coziness in his words. They were the ones whose sins had brought this Savior here, and they are the ones who actually nailed the Savior to the cross. They were the ones who put Jesus on that wretched piece of wood. As he says in verse 36, again he says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, his blood is on their hands. If you go to chapter 4, he uses the same terminology. Chapter 4 of Acts, verse 10, Be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Neither, as he says, continuing verse 12, is there salvation in any other name we could insert there, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It is this Jesus. Jesus comes for desperate souls, and desperate souls are all that you're, that there are. And here Peter, I think, evidences the profound truth of all truths, that Jesus the King makes church essential because Jesus the King is the message for desperate souls. And again, there's no uh, soul that is not desperate, that is not destitute, that is not dead, that must be raised from the dead by the power of the resurrection, which is only held by this Jesus. Uh, this is the charge to the church. Keep church essential because church is essential. Why? Because Jesus made it so. These here in the early days of the church knew, I, I think perhaps through this powerful moving of the Holy Spirit, just what Peter was talking about. Uh, and we can see the ramifications. 
As Peter says, this is the devastating news. You put Jesus on the cross. Verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Verse 38, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Then, verse 41, they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles', in the apostles doctrine, and in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. Verse 47, praising God, and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. The movement of the Holy Spirit is something that comes out of the deliverance of the Spirit's word, which points to Christ, which points to Jesus, who is Lord and Christ of the whole world, and yes, of your life as well. I am. I was moved by this, by studying this. I hope you will be encouraged as well uh, by reading that chapter and reading how essential church is. It is necessary for our lives, and we cannot go. We cannot go without it. And I pray that uh, throughout all the things that may happen and occur in this new year, uh, may we, as the church of God, the church which God has so miraculously redeemed from the depths of sin, May we see uh, how essential it is that we gather together as God's people. Uh, I pray you'll be encouraged by that. Uh, I pray that you'll be blessed uh, in listening to that sermon. Uh, before we get to the rest of the show, I want to take a quick word and share a word from the show's presenting sponsor. Do you like coffee? I know that you do, and that's why I want to tell you about Fresh Roasted Coffee. Fresh Roasted is a locally owned and operated coffee house right here in central Pennsylvania that is committed to providing the highest quality coffee on earth. They do so by sourcing only the freshest coffee beans and by using the most eco-friendly roasting technology in the world. Fresh Roasted's USDA certified organic coffee beans ensure that your coffee is consistently regulated at each stage of the production process and completely free of GMOs and harmful synthetic substances. Fresh Roasted Coffee roasts their beans per order with immediate packaging and shipping directly to your door, meaning that you get to experience fresh coffee at its peak drinkability. That's what I like. I was introduced to Fresh Roasted Coffee soon after moving to central Pennsylvania, and I'm so happy I was because I think it's literally the best coffee out there. Their Blackbeard's Revenge blend is out of this world good. Whether you use a regular drip coffee maker or a pour-over or a French press, however you get your coffee fix, make it fresh roasted. Go to the link in the notes for this show and use the offer code GRACE10 at checkout. That's offer code GRACE10 at checkout to get a discount on your next order. So now on to the rest of what I want to talk about for this show. And so uh, another segment here, what am I reading? Uh, so I've been really adamant about sort of uh, being disciplined about picking up and, and, and reading um, different 
books and I uh, w- what I've tried to do in this new year is be disciplined about you know what I'm reading because uh I have a tendency to just um <laughs> uh buy books and read them break them open and then I eventually come to find out that I have so many books uh on my currently reading list I think I shared with you last time I'm currently reading about 36 books that's really undisciplined of me so I made the resolution in the new year only read what I have currently reading and uh, I've already broken that resolution, uh, sorry to say. <laughs> uh, it's for a good cause, though. I started reading Yaroslav Pelikan's Fools for Christ, Essays on the True, the Good, and the Beautiful, which is a really fantastic series of essays in which uh, he provides insights uh, on some different characters of the Christian faith throughout the centuries. So these essays are semi, semi-biographical, but they're also really rich in theology, and they cover the contributions of different theologians, the likes of Kierkegaard, Luther, and Handel, Dostoevsky, among others. So uh, I'm actually halfway through that book already, uh, and it's been a really, really insightful read, and I actually have some uh, articles coming out uh, here soon, shortly, which kind of, uh, speak more to how I've reflected on those particular, uh, essays. But, uh, so that's for a good cause. I broke my resolution. It's for a good cause. So, uh, other books I'm trying to finish, uh, The Saint and His Savior by Charles Haddon Spurgeon, which is a collection of sermons of his, which are really profound and insightful. Uh, but of course they're Spurgeon, so they're a little bit wordy and they take a little bit of, uh, more work, I think, to try and get through, but I'm excited to finish up that. But the one that I, I, I have been visiting a lot recently and I'm, I'm about finished with it is Suffering Gospel Hope When Life Doesn't Make Sense by Paul Tripp. Um, that's a really, that's been such a great book. I think I talked about it last time too, but I'll just reiterate. It is, a book that I have really found a lot of of help and hope in. And uh, if you are going through a season of suffering, uh, I really cannot recommend enough this book by Paul Tripp. It is so insightful, so powerful, so encouraging, and it, it, it allows you to deal with your discouragement, with your suffering, with your maybe even depression in a way that makes sense. And and so I cannot recommend it enough. Definitely check that book out. Uh, grab a, co- a copy, and I know you'll be, you'll be blessed by it. Um, what's been helpful to me? Uh, well, this week, of course, is the first week of a new year. Uh, and so, uh, last week, everyone was releasing their sort of 2020 think pieces and reflections. I did as well. Uh, and I'll make sure to link to that if you want to read it. Uh, but one that I found most helpful to me, at least, was Peter Heck. Uh, he writes for the blog Discern, which is sort of a Christian and social, uh, socially conscious news site. And he wrote a, a, an opinion piece recently for that website called One Word for 2020, which I found really, really encouraging, uh, especially because he talks about the gift of having our idols exposed, which is not... I think something that we often think about when it comes to a year like 2020, (laughs) um, it was a year in which so, it it was so fraught with uncertainty and, 
and uh, suffering and questions and scandals and conspiracies and things that we would like to just disregard and, and not have to ever experience again. He talks about those things being exposed for what they are. And in a world of exposed idols and fabricated gods, we might say, it's reassuring to know that there's a God who doesn't change and that can't be affected by one minuscule degree of change at all. Um, and that's really what he's hinting at here in this piece, and I'm really thankful for it. He writes this, quote, uh, this is from Peter Heck, quote, We reside in a fallen world, but the blessings of liberty and prosperity that surround us, too, often numb our consciences to how fragile we are, how unpredictable life is, and how everything, literally everything, can change in a moment, except one thing. God's providence, his dominion, his unfathomable love, his unmerited grace is and remains the same always, the only constant in a world of pandemics, pain, politics, and power plays. So it makes me think, if 2020 was the year God revealed how feeble and futile all of humanity's idols are, perhaps 2021 should be the year when Christ's church presents in boldness how he is the only thing that isn't yesterday, today, and for all eternity. I'm so thankful for that piece uh, by Peter Heck. It's a great uh, opinion piece in which we are encouraged by the unchangeableness of our God. And I think you too will be encouraged by that as you enter into this new year. You're listening to this on a Wednesday. It's the sixth day of the new year. Perhaps there's things that you've already seen, uh, that you've already witnessed, that you can point to and say life isn't much different Um but guess what? You know what is always the same? It is your God, your God of dominion and love and grace. And I hope and pray that this year, 2021, is a year of renewed and perhaps reformed effect affections for this God who doesn't change. Uh, so definitely read that piece. You'll be encouraged by it. Another helpful thing that I just want to hint at uh, really quickly is the new movie by Pixar, Soul. Um I just have to say, this is one of my new favorite movies. <laughs> Seriously, everyone should watch Soul uh, uh, from Pixar. You can watch it for free over on Disney Plus if you have a subscription to that. I think it's on Redbox too, but I'm not sure about that, so don't quote me on that. But this movie is seriously so good. Um, I was not expecting to like this movie at all. Um it, 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 it's very metaphysical. It's very theoretical in terms of its content. It's wanting to address the uh, sort of the uh, the state of your soul uh, before life and during life and in the afterlife. And so that leads it to be really in inventive and innovative and creative with the ways that it portrays, you know, the life of a soul. And so if you're coming to this movie and wanting to be, you know, an orthodox theologian, it, you know, check your orthodoxy at the door and enjoy what they're trying to say. Because the message of soul, this movie is really profound and it really hit me in a really deep way. Um, I'm actually going to talk about it with my sister on my movie podcast, Cinema Siblings. By the way, if you didn't know, I host a, I co-host a movie podcast with my sister, uh, where we just chat about movies and I can't wait to talk about this movie, uh, and because it's so profound. Uh, from a theological sense, you won't get much theology, but from a spiritual sense and a life sense, 
sense, Soul is one of the most provocative and powerful movies that I've seen in a while. It's not really a kid's movie. Don't watch this movie expecting your kids to get it. Watch this movie, sit down with your wife and perhaps your older kids, and this movie will move you. It it, it moved me greatly. And uh, me and Natalie, uh, we watched this on New Year's Eve, in fact, <laughs> and... Uh, I'm so glad I did. It is such a good movie. I found it super helpful. Um, if you want to know, it's sort of like if Pixar was going to do It's a Wonderful Life. It has that sort of theme and that sort of content behind it. So definitely read it uh, or definitely watch it. Really, really good movie. I, and um, so watch Pixar's Soul. It's, 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 it's helpful. I think you'll, I think you'll like it. Uh, my thought for the week, what should you remember this week? Um, it's just this, read your Bible like a child. <laughs> uh, if you, maybe one of your new year's resolutions was to read the Bible more faithfully. To that end, I've also shared in this podcast Tim Challey's wonderful recommendation for Bible reading in this year, the five-day Bible reading program, a free download in which you can read through the Bible chronologically five days a week. I think that's really helpful, really essential. But, you know, there's all of these different ways in which you can approach Bible reading. There's so many different programs. If you have apps on your phone, they can remind you of how to uh, how to get the Bible in front of you, in front of your face, first thing in the morning. There are so many different ways and avenues and methods and plans and apps that almost make it to where we don't have an excuse if we neglect to read our Bibles. And I think that I'm, I, I, well, I, I don't think, I know I'm preaching to myself when I say that. <laughs> um, there's no excuse for us not to read our Bibles. And I think, though, that there's two things that we have to fight against when it comes to Bible reading, which is complacency and familiarity. Um, because we're so familiar, perhaps, if you've grown up in church, if you've grown up around the Bible, if you've grown up around church, you're perhaps so familiar with it that it becomes almost too familiar. Uh, and we become complacent. We become unsurprised by the things that we read. And I think that that among, among a, a plethora and a myriad of things that can derail Bible reading, I think one of the most profound and one of the most dangerous that can doom any would-be student of Scripture, it's being too familiar, uh, being complacent with, which, uh, with the things that we're reading. But I think the way to combat that tendency to be so familiar with it that it becomes a complacent thing that just is there and it's not really surprising, it's not really moving us, a way to fight against that is to approach the Bible like a child. Put down all of your presuppositions about what the Bible is trying to say and prepare to be surprised. This is one of the things that has stayed with me as I was reading David Gibson's excellent book on the book of Ecclesiastes, Living Life Backward. Uh, David Gibson writes this, quote, You can measure whether you find the Bible delightful, not by how often you read it or by how much of it you read, and not by whether you find it easy or difficult to read, but by whether you approach the Bible expecting to be surprised. The more childlike you are toward the Bible, the more likely you are to find it having just the right words for you. Whew, I think that is so uh, insightful, so powerful. 
Uh, if you want to read the Bible and read it faithfully in 2021, approach it like a child. Approach it with not expect with with your sort of notions of what you think the Bible is trying to say. Approach it expecting to be surprised by every page that you turn, that you're not sure where this is going to end up, and you're so confident in the fact that these are true words and that these things happened and that there is a movement behind uh, behind it all. I think this is what makes Jesus' words in Matthew 19 so powerful. If you remember, remember he says there that to such belongs the kingdom of God, and he's talking to children. (laughs) The Bible belongs to children too. And I think attempting to understand the words of God in any other light other than that of a child, we're dooming ourselves for failure. We're dooming ourselves to just set our Bibles aside and consider it old hat. You know, we read through the scriptures and we get through Genesis and we get through Exodus and then we come to the law and we get bogged down. We're so familiar with these stories and we're so familiar with these laws and we just get bogged down the minutia and the, and the familiar and the complacent. The Bible is a surprising book. It should, it should inspire us with what it says. Because what does it say to us? It says that the savior of the world that we so desperately need is none other than the God who spoke this world into existence. Can you fathom that? That's the surprise of the Bible. It's something so entirely unexpected. (laughs) So surprising that the savior from our sins, is the one who spoke this world into existence. Be surprised by the Bible. I think you'll find that your Bible reading in 2021 will be a lot more consistent if you go to it expecting to be surprised, if you go to it like a child. I pray that encourages you. Those are my thoughts for this week. This has been Pastor Brad's Corner, an episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast. I hope you've been blessed. Uh, please subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. I appreciate so much all of your encouragement and support. I've been receiving some notes of just how uh, blessed folks are by this show. So thank you so much. That means so much to me. Uh, and I hope that you'll continue praying for me in the ministry of the church as I am praying for you. I'll see you on the next episode. Blessings.